Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Interjections podcast, which we've subtitled The Undiscovered Decade. It's a podcast where we uh, take a look back at the 1990s every month to see what came out 30 years ago, try to find some hidden gems that uh, either have been forgotten or that maybe we never saw ourselves. And uh, this month, we were actually taking on a film that might be a little popular. But let me first tell you the Ballad of Dudley Riggs. I wanted to give a little history retrospective to show us how we got to this film. Now, Dudley Riggs was born in the 30s and was part of a circus family. And he was a tumbler, an acrobat, a clown. And when he was trying to perform his vaudeville act with his family one time, the audience was booing and throwing things. And he started saying, why don't you try to give me something to do? And so Dudley Riggs is credited with the first person recorded that tried to do improv. So he started up this company after he realized it was kind of fun to get information from the audience and run with that. And he started this thing called the Instant Theater Company. And he started that around 1954 in New York. And eventually they started traveling like he had with the circus. And he settled in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where because he had an espresso machine, really what he wanted to do was set up a coffee shop. So he's also credited with being the first person to have espresso in Wisconsin, which is fucking weird as hell. But you never know. Uh, So this instant theater company becomes the uh, Brave New Theater a brave new workshop i believe and from there he had a lot of people that you may know that were forerunners of the second city off in chicago or it's it's kind of like a similar thing that happened with second city and many other of these improv troops mike nichols was a part of it elaine may louis anderson al franken pendulette several people that we have heard of The one we want to focus on today is Pat Proft, who ended up following that up with a solo career off in L.A., worked at the Comedy Store, and eventually wrote things like Real Genius and Bachelor Party, and eventually met three people that we know as the forerunners of the spoof film, uh, the Zucker Brothers and Jim Abrams. So Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker, the Zaz trio, they made Airplane, and they started off making Police Squad with Leslie Nielsen. And Pat Proft came on when they needed to write that film, and he became best friends with the three of them. And from there, they started making all these other ones, including the one we're talking about today, Hot Shots Part Two. Woo! So this came out in May 1993. Uh, but the thing that I wanted to have us focus on when we realized this was coming out was it's not quite a hidden gem, but the spoof film sort of fallen by the wayside. So we want to talk about what happened to spoofs along with our review of this film. So I don't know about you guys, but Jimmy and I uh, decided to watch Hot Shots Part 1 first so that we could... Uh, know where they were coming from see see if there were callbacks or anything but you have to understand the lore yeah yeah i honestly thought i had seen hot shots like the first one only once but apparently i've only seen parts of the first one because there were things i just didn't recognize it's like "Mm." same here 
I was very surprised because in in my brain I got it confused with there's also a video game series called Hot Shots, which is about <laughs> golf. And that's what I I thought that this was like another Caddyshack thing. Oh no, Popper no, sounds like a golfer. Yeah, the first one, the first one was yeah. a Top Gun ripoff, and I yeah. I still haven't seen either of those movies too. So <laughs> oh, <okay>. it's just <laughs> that's fine. But I was I was it was a nice little surprise. You don't need to see the first one to get this. They even no. Valerie Galino, who's the love interest in both. Uh, it it seems like they have a past in Hot Shots Part Two. But it isn't the past we see in the first film. So, no, no. right, exactly. No Lady in the Tramp. Anything. Spoof. Yeah, they literally don't fall back to the first movie retrofit, in any yeah. way. I mean, well, Ryan um, Stiles plays Bridges a totally different character. Yeah, Lloyd Bridges is yeah. still in it, and his character name is there, and he's now present. But they don't ever talk about their time in the Navy. Anyway, we haven't talked about the late, the lead character, Charlie Sheen. Uh, that Papa. guy. Well, it's funny because yeah. we had oh, just yeah. talked about his brother doing a spoof a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. And winning himself. Yeah. And do you know what's funny is between this movie and the segment, you can tell he's dedicated to the craft because he actually weightlifted and got in really good shape so he could look like a Stallone doppelganger when he's shirtless mm-hmm. and fighting. Because uh, the beginning is a spoof of uh, Rambo 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he's actually fighting, he looks like he's in terrific shape yeah, yeah. he took off his like, jacket he, and, and the, i was like oh i mean in the in the last in the last hot shots he had like a, a boyish look to him that was like kind of like youthful look and he was like more rounded in yeah, his it looked face. Like tom like, cruise. He, yeah he, he like he like he met he matched tom cruise as yeah. he should yeah. uh so like yeah no he definitely did what Corey he's not, said he's not weird Allen uhf putting mm. on prosthetic muscles yeah yeah uh, I want to say before we, uh, before I forget, I really liked the casting of Carrie Yules in the first film. He plays the Iceman uh, doppelganger or stand-in, and that's kind of perfect. Yeah. Uh, also, we had, which I didn't realize, a Two and a Half Men reunion for yeah. us because we never knew that uh, John Ducky, Cryer, that John Cryer was in a movie with charlie sheen before they ever did that so i wonder it's if hilarious when itself. they were casting they were they were talking about well we got along on hot shots yeah. so i don't know one of the best sidekick neither of them are in this film <laughs> so the brilliance of it is they actually got um richard Cranach just basically reprised his role as troutman mm-hmm. only with a comedic bent yeah that was so he, he plays it deadly serious as if he is in one of the rambo movies mm-hmm but the dialogue's obviously over the top and silly. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's the. How do they manage to get him on board with that? I don't know. He must have. Well, it's funny because originally, a brief history on the uh, first blood, it was supposed to be Kirk Douglas was in the mm-hmm. Troutman role, but he um, objected to the uh, ending where um, Rambo lives. So they got uh, Richard Crenn was the last minute replacement. So he must be. Trying to pay his dues, like I'll do anything Rambo related, even if it's a spoof. Fair enough. Because I he guess it gave, him, it. it gave him a second win career. Because does uh, anybody really remember anything Richard Crenna did before or after? I think that's the most famous role. If, he, if you'd asked me who he was, I would not have been able to peg him because I've never seen the Rambo films. Okay. Yeah. But once once I saw him in this, I'm like, oh, he's that guy. He's like the mentor figure. Right. From the first to the second one, though, I will say there were there were a lot 
the 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 jokes per minute, the JPM of the whole thing was a lot less. Mm-hmm. Like they they spent more, like one of the beauty of these spoof movies, like any any spoof movies in general, is like the amount of work and time that goes into a single visual gag that will last less than a second on film and just go by the wayside. Like there's one guy that gets like blown away by a rocket launcher, but he's just splattered against a wall. Yeah, the art direction like, on that. The, the, or the improvised like chicken that, arrow. That effect must have taken weeks to design and plan and set up and prep, and it's literally half a second, one line, and then it's gone. The one that you you make me think of is uh, in Top Secret. There's an underwater fight that must have taken <laughs> weeks to choreograph. Mm-hmm. But um, also on top of that, the, with the uh, the Zucker Brothers spoof movies, that you always have to constantly be looking in the background. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. jokes embedded in the background every time. So there might be a joke in the foreground, but you also have to pay attention to what's going on in the background, which is kind of something that like uh, Barry Sonnenfeld took over with um, the Men in Black movies. This is why I wanted to bring up the history of everything, because I think when I was diving into uh, Jim Abrams' past and what he'd done and how he came up and everything, I realized that a lot of this comes from improv. You're on set and you think, what if in the background this is happening? And you just right. do it on set. So that stuff might happen right on right away. They're like, go grab a bucket or something and pour it on his head. Or, I don't know. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But um, There's a dancing Harry Krishna in one shot. Right. Like, yeah. does anyone have a robe? <laughs> I have that in wardrobe. Well, let's go grab it. That yes. kind of thing. Then we'll start right. the shot. Um, so then they have the chore- choreography in Top Secret. But then they have, oh, what if we put this in there? Like with the harpoons. I don't, I'm, I'm forgetting little details. But Like there's a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's there's a lot of setup, but then there's also what can we do on the day. So, uh, yeah. I also wanted to say that um, a lot of the humor of the Zucker brothers and these other people that make spoof movies is kind of embedded in seriousness. So you have something like Richard Crenna showing up as his character from Rambo, and you take it seriously when you're actually performing, but you know that you're twisting it with the comedy, and you don't mind that you're you're doing it as real. But finding the humor within it, yeah, I think it's uh, that's the key. Is you got to cast yeah. like serious actors, yeah. Uh, and it's all this really silly, fatuous stuff seriously, or else the joke is lost. They have right. to believe that they're in the genuine article, right? Yeah, and, and it's really good at the uh, at the end where they have his character like he's like he's been pretty much like a, a serious character throughout the movie, and then like he has his like little comedic moment uh, at the tail end of the movie between the yeah. uh, the two women. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah and that's why like leslie nelson was legendary in these spoof movies because he was a serious actor for mm-hmm. decades like he was yeah but it was seri- but it was a serious movie that like even in a lot of the movies that he he was in if you look back on now they feel almost paradised not only just because the tastes have changed but also because we know him as that but he never changed his timber or anything. Like he plays it completely serious. It's just more the context of everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is he got to like? Yeah, there's. That I think that's line. why um the spoof movies kind of went down in a way is because people started winking at the camera. Right. Very. Which meta. kind of right. ruined the illusion. Like yeah, when you're the break the fourth wall too much, and then it's just like <clears throat> yeah. Oh, no. Yes, they they love doing that in this film. But if you <clears throat> lean in too far, Miguel Ferrer does it at one point. And it's perfect. 
it's during that whole uh, montage where they're going through the village. Mm -hmm. And uh, he speaks directly to the camera and it's like, well, that's okay because Miguel Ferrer is so sober up until that point. Exactly. That's, it's perfect. He breaks the tension. In that yes. Today, uh, and I don't, I don't want to call anyone out, but there will be someone in like the the um, like Seth Rogen vein. Yeah. I think and, another and reason. like lean oh. in and say, uh, can't believe we're in this situation. That kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I think uh, why uh, uh, the whole like breaking the fourth wall, giving that look to the audience uh, works so much better in hot shots than it does in like most movies afterwards is because uh like hot shots feels like a live action cartoon and like if like if you think of that bugs bunny or daffy duck when they get the uh sly on the uh uh the villain of the episode um you know that afterwards they give that little to the audience that little nod or that look so like it kind of just like furthers that like live action cartoon feel any of those Jim Avery. It Aver does feel movies. like a Tex Avery cartoon come to life. Yeah. Yeah, right. I was just gonna say, like Jim Abrams was was, you know, basically doing the live action Tex Avery thing. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know, like even just holding up as a sequel, this one, like they they reference the fact that it's a sequel. At one point they're like, it's a sequel, I had to come when when Larry <laughs> shows up. Um but the the running gag of them, which um, I don't know, one of my favorite running gags was the fact that they keep going after Saddam after mm-hmm. they kill him in the first one, and then he's back <laughs> in like the main villain in the second one. Uh-huh. They kill him in an on, in like an on screen like a throwaway joke, right? Like, hmm, maybe there Hope is. They forget to do about that. that. Also, like, whoever the guy they got to play Saddam right. is a dead ringer. Yeah. Could you imagine if it like was his body double? Oh <laughs> like just someone yeah. one of his body doubles defected and was like, yeah, no, I'll totally just like shit on the uh dictator by like there's a, there's a, him in movies. I'm safe, there's yeah. a movie right there. Yeah. But um <clears throat> damn, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So like the premise of this one though, like the the impetus for this movie and like why they because all these, you know, he's the action hero that they have to like go into the middle of the jungle to find. It happened in the first one too. But this one is like the there was a rescue team that was sent in to rescue another extraction team that was sent in to rescue another extraction team. And it's just like this cycle. And then all of a sudden it comes down to yeah. Topper Harley's the only one who can do this. By the way, what a great name. Yes. What a great parody Top, name. Topper Harley. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like one of those eighties action heroes. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And he was on top of a Harley when he was first introduced. Actually, when that happened in the first film, it reminded me of um, Cool as Ice. It looks like yeah. the shot from Oh, right. oh God. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. I'm like, did, did Vanilla Ice get that from this? He just wanted to be Topper Harley and didn't. <laughs> no, they got this parody. from <laughs> they got this from Cool as Ice. Does well, that happen for Oh wait. It was in the first Hot Shots, right? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the first Hot Shots was ninety one. Yeah, but yeah, one was what was Cool as Ice. It was ninety, I think, and Cool as Ice is ninety one. <laughs> so I think they line up fine but yeah it reminded me he's obviously trying to steal stuff <laughs> listen i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take it that this move that hot shots stole it from cool mm-hmm. guys that's my that's my head i mean it's, it's, your hot take. Like, it's gotta gotta take its uh p's and q's from other things oh do we uh, do any of us have like favorite gags from the movie 
I love the Bob Vila cameo. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. You know what's funny is it would seem maybe dated for today's audiences. Well, that's the the thing is going going into the the downfall of of these spoof movies because the last when was the last big spoof franchise like Scary Movie, which was probably those Seltzer and um, yeah Friedberg movies, Epic Movie, Disaster Movie, Date Movie. Yeah, they were trying to recapture the magic, but they all literally take things and just try to remake them rather than paradise yeah, and all they do is well, reference isn't that a scene from this movie yeah it's all very like they don't age well like the the beauty of these is like things like top gun and um and rambo, rambo. Like, those things are like legendary movies that had the momentum back then to last forever. So everyone, you watch this, you're like, oh, it's that that movie. But if you watch one of the any of the scary movie movies now, like they were trying so hard to just paradise whatever was current in mm-hmm. 2006 or whatever mm-hmm. that like there there will be blips that no one will have like no one over a certain age will know about at all, right? Like, yeah, like this really took on things that were current rather than things that were all along romantic comedies. If yeah, they were right. doing a, a date movie as a whole, maybe it would have been better. It wasn't but, a trope. They, like they were parodizing actual events yes. more and more frequently. Yeah. And it became more like a feature length Saturday Night Live. Instead mm-hmm. of going after cliches, they started going after like pop culture. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like that's that's just not going to be evergreen. Yeah, they started becoming like the Razzies because they would make fun of Lindsay Lohan because a month ago she had been in rehab right? when they wrote it. And so now, 15 years <laughs> later, it's not like relevant in any way. Right. Yeah. Michael Jackson, Scary Movie 3. Right. Or like there was one, was it Epic Movie Disaster? I don't even remember which one it was, but they were referencing that like one YouTube video about the guy crying about Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Well, they monopolize, uh, capitalize. They capitalize right. on you know trends yeah, they, at the time. They yeah. capitalize, so they got their was, fast money. It was a single use, yeah. you know. But hey, just think of it as a way of funding the next project, right? Uh, well, in your um, example, though, Bob Vila, maybe people that are twenty now don't know who Bob Vila is, yeah. but they get the joke that there's a contractor that's. Right. Teaching. Right, he looks yeah. like a generic contractor. Because, like, because, uh, like, for, for, for me, when the jo- the gag with the uh, the uh, when Charlie Sheen and uh, his dad is like, uh, they're on the boats crossing paths. Yeah. Uh, when that happened, when as a when I was a kid, that like that 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 joke went right over my head because like I never seen Wolf of Wall Street. But for me, like, you see one military looking guy in a boat and another military looking guy in the boat, and they happen to look very similar to each other, and they say something an aha moment, like. Uh, in kid brain just like oh it's just like that's kind of funny because like they're, they're, they're saying almost the same guy and you think it's just like a funny coincidence so it's kind of funny in that way with a... but the beauty of that joke is that you can discover along the way if you haven't seen those things oh they're in wall street together oh they're father and son oh they're both making fun of apocalypse now right now together well, since you just brought it up that's your favorite gag from the movie for sure but that's why that's an example of why some of these jokes work they're things that you can either discover (laughs) later or already get like animaniacs i know it's a kid show but they perfected that sort of spoof 
because they could do things like, like have a Marlon Brando caricature. Looney Tunes did this where they'd have like a Humphrey Bogart caricature. But now we know Humphrey Bogart for the next hundred years because of well, you know, it's, you know in a weird way, yeah. so these movies are almost they don't like, mind. These movies are almost gateways to other movies because exactly. you want to see but, where but the references are from. It's not like like you were saying in the current day, um, spoof movies, you're like, I, I don't need to do any more research on what uh, the origin of this was. But back then in movies like this, like for instance, my favorite gag is um, the uh, the scene where they're in the back of the limo making out Topper and uh, the one liaison. And I know because mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. I had a feeling. It's from, um, it's from No Way Out. Huh? But uh, that's not like a very popular title from like Kevin Costner's catalog. But if you watch that and you laugh at it, you might go, huh, I wonder what they're referencing in this. Let me look into that a little yeah. further. I just thought it was a bit. But uh, yeah, I know. If, if it divorced from knowing that it's a parody of that, it's just a funny gag in general. Right. The, the, the limousine driver's react mugging is hilarious. Yeah, that's that's what I think the best kind of spoof thing can be. I didn't know No Way Out, so I didn't need the reference. But right. they're just doing it. Simpsons would do that sort of thing all the time. I was reading an article about like the downfall of Simpsons and when some of the writers from the first 10 seasons left, they lost a bit of this magic where the example I always remember from the article is they, they had an Indiana Jones parody to open the episode and Bart like runs down the stairs as Homer rolls down, which is like the ball that chases Indy. And then he jumps through his garage door. He never goes through the garage in any other episode. He has a hat that he drops that he reaches for and grabs and puts back on like Indy as the door closes. But you don't need to have seen Indiana Jones to get that. They never call attention to themselves as they do that. So they're just taking older things and making The Simpsons do it because they're funny on their own if they're The Simpsons doing it. So if you have Charlie Sheen like making out of the back of No Way, like in No Way Out, but he does it funny, you don't need to know it as well as get it later if you see the movie. So I saw Indiana Jones after that parody episode. So it's it's, it's just like how many kids and adults even though paint your wagon from The Simpsons, but right. they spoofed it perfectly. I think of that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a thing that I think people think is funny that is referential, that is just, I know that reference, but to also layer it with a bit is funny. Yeah, so you superficially, both. you can just call attention to something and say, we're doing a spoof of this. But the added joke of skewering it is what yeah. makes it magical in these kinds of movies. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like... Well, one of my favorite gags. I had a couple, actually. Who want to go further into that? Yeah, I, I can talk about other things because Jimmy and mine are the same. That uh, I loved you in Wall Street bit, but yeah. there's other loved ones you, I yeah. love. Um, the body count gag. Yes, that's, that's uh, another oh, one. Oh yeah, that's a good say. one. Well, they're just yeah. they're just blowing everybody to smithereens, and there's just like a number starts going up and up and up and up, and then it's just like telling whatever the records were at that point. <laughs> Until it calls it, it crowns itself the bloodiest movie ever. Um, the but that's a cliche that's in every action movie. What the body count? Yeah, like it, that's yeah. something that hasn't died. There's right. still yeah. something. Like that'll never, that'll never go away. Yeah, no. You know what, what will go away, and only people of a certain age will remember the American Gladiator bit. Oh, I called <laughs> yes. that out when that came out. <laughs> 
you could just think at this point, oh, they're doing some weird bit. That's okay. Right. Well, <laughs> right. no, I mean, well, it's still the, the concept is still around. It's just, you know, replace it with Ninja Warrior. Right. They're running along a beach and then they have to go through this ridiculous obstacle course. Right. Yeah, they visually it looks silly things. enough that you don't even have to know that's a reference. Right, exactly. It's just <laughs> right. so over the top, like yeah. American Gladiator. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, opening scene where he beats up the guy. And there's just, it's like any of the pit fights in the Rambo movies, but you can just appreciate the visual gag of the it's guy like, losing, like spitting out the balls. So it's like what happens when you paradise parodies within parodies. Right. It's like they become almost serious. Like cannibalizing yeah. itself. It's not even mm-hmm. cannibalizing. It's like it becomes a legitimate, like, I'm trying to think of how to, how to, how to phrase it. Like if, if you have, a a parody that's like imagine the parody is like a fluffy cloud and you have another fluffy cloud join it and it's just like it it blends in with that i don't know what i'm trying to say (laughs) point is it doesn't feel out of place at all because american gladiator is also like yeah american gladiator it's kind of campy in itself it's campy in itself you're calling out how weird that shit is or was exactly but not taking you out of the film because you're already ready for weird shit. So yeah, I think uh, we we gotta like draw special attention to how good Charlie Sheen is in these movies because it's a shame that nowadays, speaking of parodies, he's become a self parody of himself since that yeah. meltdown. Yeah, but um, he's almost doing a meta thing in a way. But uh, back then, like even it, you know you watch him in Wall Street and he's really good and Platoon, he's great. And then um, you see him in these movies, and he's he shows he has a sense of humor about himself. But it's one thing to have a sense of humor, but for him to execute those gags so well, that takes like another talent. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of an underrated actor in a way. Yeah. At least at this point, I mean, it's unfortunate because he shows up in those scary movie movies later, and right. so it's kind of given up. So I think right now is his peak. Well, so we can appreciate this as time capsules of his. Yeah. Good acting. Right. But we're just to show how versatile he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like I brought her up a little bit, but Valeria Galino, uh, she was an Italian actress who was doing a bunch of foreign things, uh, up until she showed up for things like these two movies. And I think she has pitch perfect timing as well. Like their chemistry is great. Um, she understands kind of the assignment where you you have a straight face when you say ridiculous things. Um, she understands that like women are always sidelined in these, but then she becomes kind of a the lead for a lot of their missions. Uh, I just I just like her performance in these, and they're different because she's kind of a different person in the second one. She's mentioned that like well, this they all the are experiences kind of her career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because like I actually recognized her from something else that I've seen recently. Big top she was, she was on the morning show for a while. Oh, she is, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, I know that face. What am I? Yeah. But she's like blonde in that one. So I'm like, wait, so I had to go back and look. I'm like, wait. Interesting. So, no, to me, the fun, she's great. The funniest performer in the movie is Lloyd Bridges, though. Yeah. Everything he says is hilarious. Everything. And he's like, he was like, he predated uh, Leslie Nielsen with having the serious reputation and then 
going. I was going to ask: was was Sea Hunt a serious show? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, he was actually supposed to be. Leslie Nelson was supposed to be uh, Lloyd Bridges' character in the original Hot Shots. Really? But Leslie Nelson turned it down. He's like, well, I think I'm done doing spoof movies with you. But then he ended up doing Naked Gun. I mean, he's doing Naked Gun later. And the thing that really killed these guys, the last big thing they did was Jim Abrams, or actually Pat Proft finally directed one called Wrongfully Accused, where they're trying to parody spy films and then The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. Leslie Nielsen's like the man with he's trying to chase a man with no arm and it's not it's not good bad but I think they just lost their juice so I think they started with that and then following with the scary movies after they kind of split up after Hot Shots Part 2 actually and try to make their own things like David Zucker had uh, directed or was it the other Zucker Jerry Jerry did Ghost Jerry did Ghost he's trying to do like a heartfelt movie and so they started finding their own way. And I think Jim Abrams, I found a quote from him where it's like, we liked each other. We had no anim- ac- acrimony or anything or anim- animosity. And uh, it was just that they weren't giving us enough money for all of us to do it. And so too many heads in the same room were starting to get to be too much. And so I think when you have something like wrongfully accused, the two, the two I think it was just Pat Prof really. When it's just one of them, they didn't have all their power. They needed to be like a, the Power Rangers coming together and making the whole team, you know, they're a comedic Voltron, right? Voltron come together, man. Yeah. Mm. So Leslie Nielsen on his own isn't perfect. Uh, Jim Abrams on his own isn't perfect, but that's the other shame of it. They're all in their seventies now. So there was no one to take over for them. Those guys that did date movie and such. I think they liked those movies, but didn't know what it took exactly mm-hmm. they missed the joke of it yeah because in a weird way in these movies you have to have an actual plot mm-hmm. that yeah. you have to just be somewhat coherent you come back to the plot move it along make a joke yeah, you can't, move it along it's like one thing like jeff said like there's an alarming amount of gags in this but there has to be something like a, th- a linear through line in order to hang those gags on and if you don't have like a, a streamlined plot, which is what these later movies didn't have, that just becomes, oh, look, that's a reference. That's a reference. Well, there's nothing, there's no solid ground to build upon. Well, then you get into like, you know, the difference between a spoof movie and something like Kentucky Fried Movie, where it's still a spoof movie, but there's not necessarily a through line. It's just sketch, yeah, it's sketch, sketch, sketch. sketch. It's an anthology movie in a way. I've I've found that to be it's it's their first thing, the four of them, and so I think Pat isn't even there yet. Um, John Landis directed the Kentucky Fred. I think it's more that they were taking the people that had been in improv, especially those three guys, the Zaz trio, and took their sketches and they wanted to make their own like two hour version of what their what their show was. So I think it was more practice for all these other things. Well, good still, but yeah, and when you it's can, you can even see in the finale of uh Kentucky Fried Movie with the ninjas, that's sort of like the finale of this, actually. Yeah, mm. it's, it's interesting for this to watch the, the lifespan of this genre, too, because you know, in the mid 2000s, it always it blows up because like you start doing epic movie and disaster movie and all these things that are just like vaporware, like it's it's just nobody. Uh, you know, it, it's 
throwaway gags of throwaway gags. But then once you they start doing things like, um, you know, Austin Powers and Walk Hard and things like that, where it's like it's a singular focus on one character that's spoofing the other genre, but it's not like specific references. Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, like Austin Powers is parroting like Bond, but it's also parroting like the Ipcris file, which you know modern day audiences don't know what that yeah. is. But it's, taking, it's a... but it's spoofing the spy genre in general. So it's taking, like you said, tropes from that whole genre. It is interesting. So we did. I didn't even think of those two. They did kind of continue this vein, but how did they find the comedy? Whereas something like Date Movie didn't. Well, it's, it's just like... a more focused thing, you know. It's not you're. They're not like scatter shotting. Um, jokes. Well, like about... Epic Movie and Date Movie and Disaster Movie. I could you even tell me what the plot of those is? Right. Yeah, I think that's the point. I guess where yeah. they had a plot like Walk Hard is yeah. deconstructing the biopic, but it's also yeah, taking like, itself seriously. I mean, right. like Disaster Movie kind of just straight like it kind of. It says it in the title. Like they're pulling from all the disaster movies that like and doing what they uh like just parodying that. And like going back to Austin Powers, like I think that feels like that's better not only because it's just parodying uh James Bond, but they're in a way like or like is time travel, like anything with like time travel, like back to the future. Uh yeah. they're doing they've done it like with the second Austin Powers. All three. They went back and all oh, three wait, and they yeah. do time travel. Oh yeah, no, they I mean, he's frozen only, and comes yeah, to well, I guess the first one, he doesn't really do yeah, I think the third one. Because, like, the, fir the first one, by, by doing that, the it's like one. their, uh, their uh, demolition man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that in the first one. Mm -hmm. So, uh... I mean, even, even Matinee, which we reviewed earlier this mm -hmm. year, technically counts as a spoof. Apparently, like there were spoofs within, the movie, the movie sure. within, the within it, spoofs, right? Yeah. But it's it's like still playing on that without it being like a full reference fest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm trying to think of what you do could you, do. To, I think I think the I was audience say, my too was didn't really be, mind. Yeah, do you think that they could have a resurgence of this genre? Yeah, Probably. I think it has. I guess on TV they do it. <clears throat> on TV they have parodies. Like South Park does mini parodies within the episodes. Hmm. the other thing to think about is that maybe when they were making them like these movies didn't have longevity in mind you know like you guys said they're, they're there to make a quick buck they're quick self-referential things it's a popcorn movie that no one's gonna rush out and buy when it comes to home video in two years like okay. it's just they're they're making topical comedy that just happens to have through through against all odds lasted the test of time well it's funny you you ask if they could do this again and they came together does what date movie proposed they could do now you're right so yeah, so david wayne is kind of i was gonna say well we'll get to it at the end of the episode when we pick our favorite uh spoofs but david wayne and um some of those guys from the uh, the state mm -hmm. are really good doing that. Yeah, I wonder if people just don't want to because they have so many other uh, avenues that they could explore on in on stage in TV. I mean, it's hard to bankroll these things, especially when maybe the producers are just like, "Well, look at Epic Movie; it didn't do well enough." 
Right. So, and, and that these people have all aged out that were doing specifically hot shots type things, airplane type things. Maybe they just don't want exactly this anymore. So it'll have to be something more along the lines of they came together where it's like an homage, but not per se joke per minute. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we didn't bring up the godfather of all these comedies, uh, Mel Brooks. Yeah. And the thing is, he's in his 90s now. So he sort of stopped doing this around the 90s. And With Leslie Nielsen. Right. <laughs> he he sort of had his own Leslie Nielsen uh, death knell yeah. uh, with uh, Dracula dead and loving it in a couple of years. Um. And he, he sort of lost the juice too, but I think it was more his peak was so perfect. Maybe he didn't want his run to be marred by any uh, bad films, you know? Well, it's funny because you watch that movie, Dracula Dead and Loving, and you can pinpoint why it doesn't work as opposed to Young Frankenstein is because he's it doesn't even look like a universal horror movie. Mm-hmm. At least with Young Frankenstein, he's trying to recreate that milieu. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it it's part of what jeff was saying glass. is they put so much effort into one gag that's going to be on screen for a second that by that point maybe they got i don't want to say he's lazy but maybe he's resting on his laurels a little bit where he's like mm-hmm. it's going to take too much time to set up that gag we'll just yeah i wonder what pratt fall here i remember reading that gene wilder and uh mel brooks would write young frankenstein on their breaks during blazing saddles they'd be sitting like he'd be in his cowboy costume coming up with the story for young frankenstein like oh we like the priest so let's get someone to a blind priest and he doesn't see frankenstein's hands that kind of thing like on set so i wonder if during Dracula Dead and Loving, and it was just like, hey, can you do a Dracula parody? And so he's busy with other things. Who knows? Maybe he's trying to make the producers on stage at the time. So he's being pulled in too many different directions. I don't want to conjecture exactly why it's not as good, but maybe it's just he was overwhelmed or, like you said, kind of I mean, let it go. It also becomes, you know, the market becomes so saturated that you're on set and you think of things that you're like, Oh, we should have done this, but we don't have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And it it's just by the time between writing it and getting to set, the reference has already become dated. Yeah. Corey Corey and I are always lamenting uh political comedies. They never really yeah. get it because by the time they come out, it's like two years after those bits were funny. Right. Like oh, yeah. uh, Man Man of the Year <laughs> was supposed to parody stuff like Clinton, but it comes out in 06. So so it's like this is way too old. Well, then I just parodied the system itself, which is why I actually enjoy Man of the Year as a game. So <clears> I think if you look at it that way, movie. you can still find comedy in it. But right, you know, Swing State is more of a drama, so I think it it's like a Capra-esque fable too. Right, so it can it can be timeless in a way. <clears throat> but Swing Vote, American Dream, or Swing Vote, not Swing State. Yeah. That's the point, I guess. Right. Um, All movies are parodies of something. Yeah. <laughs> well, he got it. He, that was a mind bender he just threw at us right now. Hmm. All movies yeah. are parodies. I mean, that's Thank the you. thing. I, I was, was not expecting this to be such a philosophical discussion. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> well, everything's very good. Every everything, movie is a parody of real life. Everything uh, was written to fantasy years ago. So basically, life is a joke. 
I mean, I could have gone even further than uh, the vaudevillian stage. Uh, Aeschylus was the one that was doing improv on the Greek stage. So we were already done thousands of years Aesop ago. Aesop was doing his fables. and uh... Actually, that's funny you bring that up. Um, there was another improv group I found that uh, took the fables and made this play <laughs> called uh, Story Theater. And there it was one of the biggest successes of the 70s. We peaked 3,000 years ago. They would improv the fables. <laughs> so. It's all been downhill since then. Yeah. You're right. What are we to do? Although, you know what's funny, though? Speaking of, of topical comedy from behind, there's there's been some meme going around where, like, some some, I don't know, Smithsonian or some academic paper released a photo that was, like, the world's first complaint letter. <laughs> Just someone complaining about, like, they got impure copper from some copper vendor. And then there was apparently like a reply. And so now this person who lived like 4,000 years ago that nobody knows, nobody knew about is now like the go-to reference for shitty customer service. I'm like, yeah, imagine I'm... your email lasts until 4228. Right. And... <laughs> some things, some things are timeless, uh-huh. but it's, you know, if it's relatable. We will always have customer service issues. We will not always have Rambo movies. Oh, you say that. He's yeah. still. Uh, you know, I, that's might true. do another one. That's true. There's still time. <laughs> if 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 Harrison Ford can crank out another one. Exactly. I'm hearing bad things. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's no. That'll be I'm another time. I'm trying to ignore it. It's another another podcast. Yes. Yeah. I think we all liked this movie specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. I I really like yeah. it. Um, if I had to give it a grade, I'd probably give it a a B plus. I don't. I think I like the original a little bit better. Hot Shots Part One. Yeah, I, I like Part One a little bit better. Um, some of the <laughs> some of the gags are um, they attempt so many gags that you can't help but have some clunkers in the mix. Yeah, but it, they don't linger on too long because then you're on to the next gag that's going to make you laugh. So, I think they spaced them out a little bit better in the first one, and they hit a little bit harder. So, the ratio is higher in this, but the success rate is a tiny bit lower in the first one. But I still really like it. Fair enough. Actually, I uh... feel kind of similarly. So I'm probably B plus. It was like it was. It felt a little bit slower. But also at the same time, they had a bigger budget for this one. So they went more over the top action instead of like filming a bunch of miniature planes flying around. Like they <laughs> blew so much stuff up in this one. I think that's actually why our techniques was right. And then they were just like, oh, wait, wait, wait. We still, we, we've got so much in the pyro budget. We need to put some on the gag budget here. I, uh, I feel the same way about you guys, but about two instead of one. I think okay. I think I like this more than the first one because of the, how over the top they go with the, the explosions yeah. and everything. I also saw this one first, like Jimmy and I said. Uh, yeah. We both had similar situations where we'd seen pieces. So I think it just yeah. noses the first one by a hair. So I would say this probably like an A, like straight A for me. And the first one would be like a B plus. So I'd probably reverse it for you guys. Uh, yeah, no, I'm a little bit, I might be a little, a little more A plus about it. 
Yeah, no, I give I give Hot, hot Shots uh, Part Two A plus, and then like Hot Shots, the first one, like probably also an A plus. Ah, yeah, I mean, I like them both. I love them. They're great. They're it's almost a good thing great. they didn't attempt a third one. I know. I mean, maybe if it happens, don't put in that out in the universe. <laughs> I know it's and never too, got, like you said. It's never too late. Never thought history of the world part two. No, listen, because you know what? You know what's going to happen? I'm going to pitch. I'm going to call this right now. They're going to come up with a third one, and it's going to paradise. Thirty year later remakes. Yeah. Of movies. Jimmy, Jimmy it's Abrams because inherently that's not a bad idea. Week. But yeah, Jim Abrams just turned seventy nine last week, so. We got to do this now or we're not doing it. Jimmy, call us. Yeah. And so, yeah, the uh, the other movies of May. Uh, there's a, um, there's a, speaking of, we were talking about Lloyd Bridges. Jeff Bridges had a movie come out this month called American Heart. It's him and um, <clears throat> uh, this documentary filmmaker made her first narrative feature called American Heart. And uh, Jeff Bridges plays this ex-con who, um, Who's begrudgingly uh, partnered up with his uh, strange son, which is Edward Furlong, before Edward Furlong became, you know, uh, yeah, strung out. Um, he gives neat. a really good performance, and usually I associate Edward Furlong with being whiny because of Terminator and like Pet Cemetery and some of the other things he's done. But he actually gives a really good understated performance. Actually, they both do, and the mo- the movie's actually really good. If we hadn't picked the hot shots, this would... yeah, this would probably be a hidden gem. Yeah. Um, one of so Tristan's, we should see probably Tristan's favorite Ivan Reitman movie came out this month. Oh yes, Dave. Forgot this. Speaking was... of political comedy, that still is um, just as fresh as when it was made. Yeah, but it also has a bit of a like I was saying, a bit of a Capra esque twist to it because they get somebody who looks like the president to take over for the president. This is what you're just talking about with the Saddam thing. This is the plot yeah. of Dave. Yes, exactly. Where um, honestly, it might be um, one of my favorite Kevin Klein performances. So this 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 was my introduction to Kevin Klein. This is why he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, he, uh, I don't know. There's something about it where it, it's funny that we say that they didn't really get the Clinton jokes right away, but in 1993, they're clearly having. Uh, a guy in office sleep around with his secretary and the Kevin Klein, the, the, the person that's actually president has a heart attack, but he doesn't die. So they have the same person, like the person that's going around as his doppelganger for parties and like ribbon cutting ceremonies come in and just perform speeches for him. And they think this will work, but uh, they end up finding out that he cares about policy just as much as the American person should so in a Frank Capra-esque way, he, he finds his way to making the world a better place. And funny in movies like this, that like the villain is usually uh, kind of one dimensional. And I don't mind it when it's Frank Langella because he's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's quite good. in it. Ben Kingsley has a good part as well, uh, popping up towards the end as uh, the vice president. Arnold has a cameo in this. Mm hmm. And he's joking so. about uh, maybe I'll have a political career. Yes, ninety three. Yeah. Uh, so he clearly wanted to do the, be governor or something at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Sigourney Weaver also plays the uh, first lady, 
And so she and her husband have been estranged, but when she finds that he's actually a nice person and slowly discovers who this, who Dave is, uh, they have incredible chemistry. Also my introduction to Sigourney Weaver, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't see Ghostbusters for a while. And Aliens, yeah. Or Alien, yeah. Both of them I saw, like, as a teenager. So. Nice. I saw this in 93. So, yeah. One of the better political comedies from the time. And doesn't, like we said, doesn't feel dated. Much Ado About Nothing, Kenneth Brown's adaptation of the Shakespeare play, which has an all-star cast. Yeah. Sometimes I almost forget how many uh, well-known actors are in it. You got Denzel. You got Michael Keaton. Robert Sean Leonard, who isn't really relevant nowadays, but uh, Kate Beckinsale, one of her first movies. Emma Thompson who's perfect at delivering that Shakespearean dialogue. Um, she does, she narrates, and she's kind of the main focus of the movie. Um, I always thought the movie's a little overrated, and plus there's a bit of a clash in tones. It's good. I don't think it's my favorite of his um, Shakespeare adaptations. In fact, of the, the frothier ones, I probably like Love Labor's Lost a little bit more. Hmm. For me, for me the pinnacle yeah. is his, um, his Hamlet adaptation. Mm-hmm. I have but, seen uh, none of his Shakespeare adaptations. I got to get around to that. Yeah. Um, I love but... this play. It's it's the one I did. We had a class at DeSales uh, for theater directing, and we all had to do a uh, Shakespeare scene, and my scene was from Much Ado. So. Um, the only problem with the movie is uh, I feel like even though there's some big-name cast members, some of them are a little miscast and can't really deliver the dialogue as well. Denzel surprisingly did better in the Macbeth adaptation years later well he had like 30 years to figure yeah, it out <laughs> and uh same thing with i never minded them in bram stoker's dracula but keanu's quite bad here you um, complained about him in dracula every time that was I what i said was the him. best thing um when <clears throat> mario van peoples took uh, the clout that he got from uh, new jack city and directed um one of the first black cowboy movies called posse which initially starts off as a really good like historical action movie but then kind of falls prey to the same cliches as the rest of the genre but uh he it's weird he just like kenneth brown in the last movie he cast himself in the lead role but he almost plays the role a little too mythic a little too stoic to the point where there's not much of a character underneath of it, aside from the archetype. So it's a it's kind of a missed opportunity. Do you think it's worth it to see in the first place? Because we didn't really have anything like this until The Harder They Fall a couple of years ago. Right. And I think I think for people to discover it, they could see like a history of black cinema at least. Sure. So yeah, just, just like his like dad. Timepiece. Yeah, just like his dad, uh, Melvin Van Peebles, he's kind of a pioneer with stuff like that. Okay. So, yeah, between it and uh, honestly, if you're going to watch a uh, Mario Van Peebles directed movie, watch Badass, which is based on um, his dad's uh, seminal movie. It's on my Netflix queue, trying to finish that up. Fantastic. Um, speaking of African American cinema, uh, Menace to Society came out which is like the polar opposite of when we talked about um, Boys in the Hood. So that if that was more optimistic, this is way more cynical and pessimistic. And uh, the Hughes brothers, 
did a, this is their debut film, and they did a fantastic job. the The movie's a uh, powerhouse. It's amazing, and it actually, um, I guess they were at the the forefront of like casting Lorenz Tate in movies because he was a bit of a a rising star in the '90s. So between this and uh, Dead Presidents, their later movie, you get to see the range that this actor has. Um, but at actually, just as a gritty crime drama, it's arresting. Mm. It's a, it's a fantastic movie. I'm, it's, this is the first time I've seen it. Mm. Kind of kind of ashamed I hadn't seen it before now, but uh, yeah. it's it's terrific. And it doesn't. Um, the main character is morally ambiguous, so they don't try to glamorize or romanticize the lifestyle, but they also don't try to vilify it at the same time. So it feels very matter of fact. Which actually works in the movie's favor. Um, so, it the great thing is it doesn't get on a soapbox. So there's no speechifying in the movie. It's just a very um, clear cut, candid portrait of uh, that that area and time. So yeah, I highly recommend the movie. Does it take place in L.A. as well? It does. I I want to say South Central again, but sure. I wanted to see this before we got to this. I forgot it was May. So I'll get around to it. Weirdly, another movie that's kind of could be considered black cinema is uh, Made in America. Mm. Um, kind of. <laughs> kind of in a way. Um, it's almost about mixed couples in a way. Um, it's uh, Ted Danson took a break from uh, Cheers. And filmed the movie on his hiatus with his then girlfriend Whoopi Goldberg. Um, the premise is that Whoopi has a daughter Nia Long, who goes. She was. Uh, she doesn't know where her father is because uh, her mother was artificially inseminated. So she goes to find out who her, the sperm donor was, and it happens to be Ted Danson. Hmm. I didn't know what that Ted Danson. What that was about. Yeah, and, and actually, um, it's an early role for uh, Will Smith. It was very hmm. funny in the movie, actually, as um, her best friend, Neil Long's best friend. Hmm. And uh, actually, I think it's a charming little movie. I'd, uh, I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> this could have been of... another uh, one we covered for Hidden Gems. Yeah. As a as a, um, as a fish out of water farce, it works. Hmm. And actually, they had really good chemistry. You could kind of tell that they had some... Uh, they were dating off screen, even though there was an incident that... Uh, Maybe could have put an end to Ted Danson's career at the time. Let's leave that back in 1993. Yeah, you can all look it up. You can find it. Yeah. <laughs> um, funnily enough, what's the biggest movie of the year right now? In oh, in 2023. In 2023. Yes. Um, 15th overall box office of all time. What mm -hmm. do you say? Yeah. I believe so. Would it include Plumbers? I believe so. And lizards, yes, and mushrooms, yeah. So thirty years ago, they made a live-action adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. Hey, so we're on the anniversary of it. A, with a cult movie. classic. Hmm. You know what? I'm glad you said that because actually, I grew up on the movie. I could really? see the flaws in it. I still unabashedly love it. I oh yeah, ditto, ditto. <laughs> I I think that Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo are terrific as brothers. 
This is why I like that. This is why I like both of them. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good together. It's a classic cyberpunk yeah, dystopian piece of cinema. Yeah. Right. Just drop the cult parts. It's just a classic now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is why Daisy is my favorite Mario character. Because of uh what's her face? Samantha Mathis. Samantha Mathis, yeah. She's yeah, great in that so... movie. If nothing I, I... else, even if you don't like the movie, you have to admire the production design of uh, oh, oh yeah of the underground Manhattan scape. It looks terrific. I, I still to this day remember the uh, when Discovery Channel had a uh, movie magic that show. Uh, they did an episode on uh, Super Mario Brothers, and like they were go- they got into detail with the animatronics for Yoshi. So mm. that was pretty. It's cool. Yeah, and only one of these Mario movies has Yoshi. That's right. I don't remember Goombas in the uh, in the newest one, but they're uh, in this. Did they not face Goombas at all? I don't no, remember they them. in in yeah. the original. No, in the new there one. movie, there were like no, one or two one. of them. You're the only one of the four of us that hasn't seen the new one. Oh yeah, I'm the loser. No, you're not. You're fine. Stay under the credits. Oh, wait, wait. It's not bad. It's just kind of there. Oh, yeah, it's weird it's, that I, it's for kids. I prefer this, obviously, but yeah, it, colorfully it's, it's is for nice kids. For but honestly, listen, that movie's a parody in itself too, <laughs> because it's all references. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know what's funny? This was speaking of being introduced to actors for the first time. This might have been my introduction to uh, Bob Hoskins because I hadn't seen Roger Rabbit yet. The same here. And so I thought I didn't know. That he was British. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was. He does a great Brooklyn accent. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, who? Was? I never really thought Bob Hoskins. About... What? You didn't know he was British? No. You haven't oh seen. Oh my Unleashed? god! It just blew your mind. You haven't seen Mona Lisa? Holy or... cow! Yeah, man. Hey, Mamma Mia! Hey, come on, Luigi, come over daddy. here. Hey, what do you what do you want more than anything in the world? We, we oh do. yeah, a piano. <laughs> I did not realize his nickname was also the Cockney Cagney. Uh, oh yeah, wait, really? Yep. According oh, to yeah, IMDb. Was... <laughs> yeah, so he's fantastic in the movie, and whether the uh, production was a nightmare as it was been described over the years, yeah. um, I I feel like it doesn't show on screen because oh, all was, the uh... casting and everything's great. I was at a panel about like making art yesterday and they were talking about like sometimes you have to let yourself fail to see what you can improve and sometimes the best art comes from accidents. So I think sometimes cult classics don't just mean classics in our sense of the word that we're talking about Mario, but like sometimes you can appreciate the bad, the good stuff in the bad and this isn't say bad to us. So I think it, besides being subjective it's like even if a production's rough you might be able to make a hidden gem it's funny because now i think about like i appreciate they didn't do a um just a transposed adaptation like the new one which they basically just recreate the the world of the video game they kind of uh they morph it and adapt it and i don't want to say mongrelize it but make it a little bit different so, mm-hmm. To the point where I don't think you even need to play the video games to get invested in the movie. That's the thing about the 90s, I think, where the way you make a thing is trying to either 
make it as serious as possible or like what could we do to make this ours sometimes they don't even read the material or play the games or whatever so they just get a bit of information and try to make it from there so he's walking in the office hey you know what my kid picked up the other day it's about these these two guys one's red one's he's, green what he's, do you think? he's trying to explain to me yeah. he's a fucking plumber and some dinosaurs yeah. in the yeah. sewer what's like, the last name and mushrooms they're both last like, name is mario who cares super yeah, boots care about details. Hey, who's that who is that guy that did that fucking rabbit movie what are we yeah too too many times with movies these days they try to make a mythology and make it so precise that you won't get called out on something yeah because the internet is an days. unforgiving pile of assholes i read i read yeah. a. I want to go on a short tangent real quick i read a, a thing today or the other day that um apparently when they were making return of the jedi uh because they noticed that the blue lightsaber would be would disappear against the blue background of the sky <laughs> of tatooine for luke they made it green and when asked how do we explain that luke has a new lightsaber lucas is like who cares the worst you're going to get is a letter from starlog so <laughs> Uh, so um, imagine the days when you didn't have to worry about the internet a lore yeah and they made a scene they have a deleted scene where luke is making a new lightsaber but they cut in a line and this is all you need vader's like oh i see you made a new weapon now you are a full jedi and it's in his mask so he may not have even said that on set that's something they got james Earl jones to do to cover it you know like they all retroactively try to create lore from things, and it's like it gets yeah. complicated after a while. And now there's a whole comic book series about Luke making his lightsaber. It's like there's comic books here. Yeah. There's like all of these in between yeah. shows on Disney Plus. Like, yeah, a fleeting line in a movie back then can just become expanded into a whole. Yeah, that's where Rogue yeah. One came from. I know yeah, exactly. But anyway, yeah, getting back to this movie, and this is the last thing I'll say about it is uh. The, the movie that we have in theaters right now is, I know it's called the Super Mario Brothers, but we don't get much of Luigi. In this, I felt the camaraderie and the brotherhood between these two. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, this They're great together. was called Mario before it was changed to the current title. Fair. So it sh- I think that's why. This is supposed to encompass the thing. I think it should have been called Super Mario World because then it would have been encompassing all the stuff. You get Donkey Kong, who isn't really in the Mario games. Well, this ended on a cliffhanger. They could have this potentially done well. We could have expanded this. Daisy wasn't in this new movie. She yeah. could she could show up in the new one. So. Um so uh the last movie that we're gonna talk about before we get to Jeff's feature is um a biopic, actually called dragon the bruce lee story oh, weirdly enough one. i like this better than any bruce lee movie they they it's they do a weird thing it's kind of almost innovative in a way because they take the obviously they take bruce lee's life and history and make that the scaffold for the movie but then they also put in bruce lee fight scenes interspersed throughout the movie so you're almost getting like Elements from his films uh, intermingling with stories from his life. And I, I think it does a brilliant job of doing that, actually. And um, So the structure is sound. Yeah, so the structure is great because it's not a straight biopic. Hmm. And it's not formulaic in any way. 
So, uh, and I think Jason yeah, Scott no, like I know they 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 took liberties on his back injury too. I think they did take a lot of liberties with stuff. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but and I I mean I don't want to say in a way that it feel it's definitely heightened, but it's it's extremely entertaining. Hmm. It's probably Rob Cohen's best movie outside of Dragonheart. Not the Mummy Three. No. Mm. Mm-hmm. Let's not get crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that takes us to uh, Jeff's Jeff's mm. featurette. Poster boy. Oh boy. Hmm. 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 Now I will say <clears throat> that this you may know right away. But let's let's see what you think. Mm. Let's just go straight to it. Can't wait for this. Hmm. Okay. Do you recognize this at all? Maybe. <laughs> I like how you cropped it. Uh-huh. I'm learning on Photoshop. Yeah, Jesus. This yeah. is an educational cut podcast now. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're looking at You don't recognize this right off the bat, right? I don't. Okay. So you can describe it, but I'm pretty much there's nothing to like step forward <laughs> to. So we'll give you hints, but I don't have any other All right. real images. I might have a I have a tagline I can show you. That actually kind of stops how you did this. hmm So it's currently all right. So it's separated into three sections. Bottom part is mountains, middle part is sky, top part I'm assuming is some sort of ominous cloud. Uh, there's a helicopter flying through it. No. Mm-hmm. That's Jake. Oh, maybe it's the ground. Maybe it's someone someone flipping upside down. Is this MASH? Is this... Mm-hmm. No, the helicopter's red. There's it can't a, be MASH. There's a helicopter Mash. that could very well be like flipping upside down, but it's not. Or maybe no. that's just. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't this know. is tough. It's a weird optical illusion thing. Because you don't know where it's coming from. You might you know be what? on the side of the one, mountain. One's in the mountain. Oh, one second. One's on, but I can't tell if it's like if he's flying over the mountains or like <laughs> past the desert. What's he doing over there? I think this I'm is trying to look at this... it upside down. This is very confusing. Is this volcano? You don't know what this is. I it looks like a volcanic. No, I don't. This is bugging me. All right, I'll give you a tagline. I guess where Jimmy would have known. But I know, no, you no, know what it is? No, okay, I see what this is because this is all. Hang on, I'm not look. I'm not looking at the tagline yet because I can tell where where Tristan did the Photoshop job. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, they are not doing that. So this is there's a rock. oh snow piercer. That's what it is. Someone. Yeah. That's the original. Snow An piercer. avalanche of thrills. Okay. I want to read Maybe that. Maybe Bernard of the New York Post. Uh, avalanche of grills. Is it avalanche? No. No. There's no book called avalanche. Initially, I thought Point Break, but that's surfing. So, <laughs> um, hang on, hang on. Okay. Can I can I try the plot? Yeah. A medevac helicopter gets lost in a snowstorm. On its mm. way, they're trying to deliver the president or something. I don't know. Mm. No, too, no. Too far. Game. <laughs> the yeah. went way too far to the left. You didn't come up with a part of a movie, right? Um, yeah, game, right? yeah, that's so Samuel is, Jackson. It's very clearly that there is some sort of plane crash or car, like some that that darkness above looks far too destructive 
This has to be a thriller. It's not a cloud. Do you want to tell them what those are? No, it's not a... I know it's not actually a cloud. It's a darkness above. Yeah. You want me to tell them? It's just, it's just rocks. Yeah, it's, it's just rocks. rocks. Like I, where are the rocks in the sky? Wait a minute, hang on. That's is the lag. Thing? Thing? I might, I might have an cave? idea. Is this, mm-hmm. is this trapped in a cave? Are they no. trapped in? A, no. Is this Everest? Mm-hmm. No. K two. We're closer. K two. Getting closer Some, though, at least. Kilimanjaro. Is it just? Is it named after a mountain? Mm-mm. No. No. Do you want to give him all my nails on this one? Do you want to give him the plot and then without saying like who's in it or anything? Right, right, right. And then maybe you can come up with a name just to get some extra points. I'm actually going to give you points for that. Uh, the plot um, you came up with because it was it's a real film. There's a um, there's a heist that happens on a on a um, on a commercial jet, and they crash land, but the cash is scattered like strewn about. On the mountains, so they have to get an expert mountain climber to help them find the suitcases full of cash. Yeah. I'm on the edge oh. of my seat on this one. This is. Give me another one. <laughs> I think you, I think you it out. Is it cliffhanger? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. What the? F- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Took 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 me a solid second for that one. I was just like, yeah. So you could tell where I'd done that. I could tell oh, where God. you used the stamp thing because it. Re- <laughs> yeah, I figured. I figured out how to do a, a clone stamp or whatever it is. That's awesome. You actually, it's, you it's know, just I, like I look fill. good. You just fill. You just pencil around everything. You like cut out Salone, and you say fill, and it just covers it with the uh, elements around it. So, like around his arm, it yeah. just his hand is rock now, and his body is sky and mountain. That's I mean, if it... So it just like folds in. So like yeah. you can see, I don't know if you can see my cursor in the recording, but you can see yeah. the two mountains. There are three there, and they're kind of there, but they know what would be behind them. Yeah. Now, now I'm Technology. imagining. Well, I'm imagining you... Stallone on a set taking a picture, just going like this. Uh huh. It's definitely photoshopped <laughs> anyway. Well, yeah. If you make it, if it makes you feel better. If you look at the right side of the of the cliff, it's also like they they clearly needed to expand it to get to the edge of the picture. Oh, this is because of the original uh, my format. That's all. So, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I have another one for you that you might be able to. Oh, okay. wait. Because... Well, has anybody else? I mean, Jimmy's seen it. You've oh. seen it, Jimmy? Uh, I don't remember if I've seen it. That's the thing. Like, I, I have a good feeling that I did, but it might have been only once. Well, between That's this right. and um, Demolition Man, he, he had a really good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I got to see those. <laughs> two really solid Stallone movies. Before the 90s really went downhill for him. Yeah. After Dread. Dread, the specialist, some other mm. assassins. Mm. I think Dread was the uh well it's funny uh, that we're showing this now because they just announced a legacy sequel. They did. Where his daughter is the cliffhanger. Is that what it is? Yeah, he's it's doing a child thing. Passing of the torch. Exactly. He's well, he imagined he's like almost 70. He's not gonna be doing this anymore. So how about we just don't do it? I know exactly. It's not gonna. It's not gonna stop him from trying. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um. So the Can next one. Yeah, I want to see it. This one, I think we could have done. John Lithgow. 
John Lithgow's the villain. You never go yeah. wrong. Oh yeah. I forgot. Like last year's uh thing we did. Um, yeah. Uh so the next one is trying to jump the gun to get ahead of what's coming next month. The biggest film of the year and <laughs> uh they thought they would adapt their own novel. Yeah, I forgot this is based on a book. Uh I know this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> this is also based on a book, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, it came out earlier than the other one. Yeah, is this? I mean, very clearly, this is supposed to be. It's similar to Jurassic Park, so there it's a go. guy. There's, there's a, there's a, some sort of creature, dino jaw. Up By the way, I don't know who those two people are. Overlooking, <laughs> they're not. I have film. no clue who those two people overlooking are. Overlooking, some guy in a leather jacket holding a presumably dead woman in a red dress. <laughs> In the, the the typical like draped style, um, I, I can't tell what that tagline is. Uh, it says it's Roger Corman presents, which leads yeah. me to believe oh, this is, that is a it ridiculous. Is? Yeah, I didn't feel like taking that out. Is this like just raptor? Like, is it just the name of a oh. dinosaur? You know what's funny? Velociraptor. It might be. There's a sequel to the movie called Raptor. Is it? There's a sequel to this movie called Raptor. Yes. Oh, okay. Is it uh is it just dinosaur? Diane Ladd. Ladd. You're some of the name. So close. Yes, dinosaur. Do you know what it is? What like, would you like, call it? Jeff? Is it is it dynasty, but it's spelled <laughs> you know? So God. No. taking away points now. <laughs> just sink your teeth into you're, it, man. Just like just negative imagine. points this week. Yeah. This month, just imagine right, get... what like that sucker. <laughs> here's here's the tag. Driven to extinction, back for revenge. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great tag. Resurrection. Yeah. Uh, it is a, it is an animal's name. So, okay, that's not a real species, though, is it? It is. Is it what called T Rex? It's in the book Lost World. And actually, when okay. Sarah Harding arrives at the island, that's the first one she encounters. Is it is it Terror Raptor? No. Terror that's, that's not a real dinosaur. That's an asylum movie. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's got to be. Jimmy's been all these two, man. He know, he's been knowing these posters. Well, he's lately. seen them. I knew. I, I was pretty sure Jimmy had seen this one. Um, You've seen it, right, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just used to the other uh, uh, image for the, uh, you know, movie yeah, yeah. We, is we this, really like this, this one i this one i've seen far rarer is this turok no. yeah, they should do a turok movie you're right it's carnosaur, carnosaur. yeah well you heard of carnosaur haven't you that big movie oh yeah i remember <laughs> this, both this and cliffhanger always being on the shelves of black this movie so. a, this movie legitimately scared the shit out of me as a kid where really yeah no for some reason like i i saw it like really late at night i like rented it from, from like blockbuster or some crap like that and like i watch it i'm like yep no not watching this again because like i watched it really late at night oh yeah i just rewatched it yeah for the podcast it's so boring yeah yeah, really? yeah well they 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 because obviously they had a limited budget so they couldn't show the dinosaur yeah, too they much did. and okay. uh it's also about diane lane diane lad diane lane diane lad wish um Weirdly enough, cross fertilizing the 
dinosaur eggs with her own. She's birthing dinosaur. Yeah, I don't even it, it got yeah, it it's got wait, 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 weird. Wait. Like even for a little kid, it's just like that. Wait, 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 but wait, wait, wait. It, it, it's 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 unseemly. Yeah, even also, for you, for 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 some reason, yeah, for I me, the, yeah. I, I watched the crap Absolutely. out of the sequels. The sequels were just like I just sequels they, have they're, better they're, posters. They're cooler. I yeah, because and they're more and they're more and they're more sci-fi. Yeah, yeah the sequel, especially by the like third the second one. one. I know in particular because for some reason I rewatched that recently. So it's it's straight up aliens ripoff. They yep. go down to find out what happened in the first movie. They go down to the facility. This elite team goes down there, and uh, of course they get slaughtered by. I think there's only two dinosaurs. So of course, uh, the, the budget's lower. They don't have the, much to do. The funny thing I like about this though is that is Diane Ladd, who is the mother of Laura Dern, in yes. the two dinosaur movies back to back. It's crazy. So. Wow. Well, Roger Corman started that whole thing that the Asylum does now, which is they do mockbusters. Mm-hmm. They capitalize on the success of something that's doing really well. So grandma will accidentally pick up the wrong thing. You wanted Transmorphers, right? I was about to say, that was the main thing I thought about when Blockbuster was open. I was like, Transmorphers? Yeah. The font, and you could the title's so similar, you could almost accidentally pick this up and think it's a Transformers. Mm -hmm. You know what? It might be better. Legitimately for old grandmas that mistake it for something awesome and bring it home to the grandson. And they're like, hey, little Timmy, I got you Transmorphers. (laughs) <laughs> it's like transformers but better or they just legit think it's transformers and it's yeah. only a two dollar rental fee as opposed to three okay mm-hmm. and that's how the germans dupe us again because that's a german studio right <laughs> I, them, i think so yeah like they 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 it's like why their english is so way off and like the budget is so low well they also take effects that are like um plug-in effects oh yeah <laughs> yeah so when the, when the effects look really good you can tell like that, that was a program they bought <laughs> they, just, they just manipulated those effects it's like um what was the thing that we used to make a ninja attack the little fire that you can make at the bottom oh we're behind a, fi- a wall of flames yeah exactly Anyway, uh, so we want to talk. I about know we spoof. usually do uh, favorite performance by a specific actor, but we don't really need to do Charlie Sheen because we all think Hot Shots is his best. Uh, but he was a hot uh, shot in Hot Shots. Corey had suggested, and he kind of talked as I was saying uh, we were going to do our favorite spoof. So I had sent you guys a list of all the parody films that are out there. We kind of went through all these different people that have made. You know, different things like Mel Brooks. Um, who else has done a bunch of films? Like the guys behind South Park have basketball. You know, well that's that's like uh, Myers that's Zucker's. a bunch. Basketball is a Zucker. Is it really? Yep. Is oh David Zucker? Look at that. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, I got one that's kind of um a subgenre of the spoof genre. Yeah. Which is the mockumentary. Oh, that yeah, I can see. So that. mine is um this is Spinal Tap. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which is basically like a it's a spoof of those uh rock documentaries they used to get during the time, like Gimme Shelter, this is um The Last Waltz Stop Making Sense. Um it's it's also uh Rob Reiner's 
first directorial movie. But it, I mean, it feels like a Christopher Guest movie, but because he took, obviously, him and his collaborators took that template and he ran with it. Hmm. But uh, <clears throat> everything in that movie is so perfect that you're almost like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is a real band or not. This could be a real band. If I didn't know these actors from later things, this could be a real well, band. Well, they actually play instruments. And then they toured. And they, yeah, and so they, it actually they, took They did off. a mighty wind, you know. They all yeah. they all know what they're doing. So it's kind of funny when that sort of thing happens. Matter of fact, Luna is a, a, a lark. And then it they're filming a being... belated sequel, I think, right now. This is tough. There's so many good ones that you're not sure what... Oh, fuck. I forgot about all the uh, Edgar Wright movies. Those are technically, yeah, spoofs. Ooh. Yeah. So there's someone oh, I... trying to do stuff that's... Uh... Well, because we were talking about... You know what, Tristan? I got one for you, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I texted you uh, last week about one. Um, we were just talking about David Wayne. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I was going to maybe go with that. Because I want to go with Young Frankenstein. That's my favorite Mel Brooks. But That's great. Uh, I think I might like Wet Hot American Summer Ooh. the most in this example. Fantastic. So I think I'm going to go with Wet Hot American Summer. Awesome. Uh, 1941. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, 1941. I love 1941. I think that's oh, yeah. one of Spielberg's most underrated movies. Yeah. I didn't know it was Spielberg until like I like played it and then I saw it in, in the credits. I'm like, wait, what? I'm best movie i ever like one of the best talk talk about taking um putting a lot of effort in the sight gags like all those rube goldberg device sight gags that happened in that movie must have cost a fortune oh yeah, yeah. i'm thinking it's specifically the ferris wheels one. Oh yeah where it comes I, off I, the hinges I, and just rolls just the just the opening for 1941 just like i that sealed the deal for me i was like no no yeah because like uh it opened like jaws yeah might and be my favorite thing. Belushi performance yeah. outside oh, yeah. of uh, Animal House. Yeah. And then, like, the whole, like, uh, throwing the, like, just, like, start off with Jaws, and the next thing you know, the woman in the water, like, she's getting tugged around, and it's a periscope to a Japanese. Yeah, so. the periscope? It's great. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> That's a great spoof. Hmm. Oh, that was a good one, Jimmy. I like that. Oh, yeah. It's its own thing, but last year's Weird Al movie was uh, pretty good. Weird? Yeah. yeah. And that's almost, yeah, that's like a walk hard kind of yeah. yeah and i forgot i know you don't really like him but an actor that we didn't even mention in hot shop part two um rowan atkinson he uh came out with his own bond parody johnny english and had a sequel to that i only saw the first one i liked it but i also like they made a lot of spy spoofs after austin powers which yeah kind of diluted it a bit i was just happy that mr boone was talking would, so... would you consider spy kids to be a spoof Get, mm, I don't know if it's spoofing those. Yeah. But it could I don't know if Robert little... Rodriguez has much of a sense of humor. I feel like we should pick two because, like, this is this is it's tough. We're all like raised by parody. Oh, yeah. To be like, I, w- I would quote Spaceballs mm-hmm. daily for oh yeah, like most yeah. of my oh, yeah. life until yeah. you would my my favorite like the. The current favorite spoof movie would have to be Tropic Thunder, just because of how over how they skew over. Like it, it's basically this generation's hot shots, I think, yeah. because it's like it's not all visual gags, but the the skewering that they do. 
Well, that's the thing with Judd Apatow. You almost lean into it. And I, I was saying how I said Seth Rogen earlier. That's what I, I meant. Like, you could go too far with some of these Judd Apatow players, but I think Judd Apatow himself gets it. So, Tropic so Thunder, the bubble. We're going to ignore yeah. that. <laughs> Let's forget yeah. that that happened. We're going back. Hey, wait. Okay. Yeah, I got another gags. one. If we're, if, if, we're doing, if we're doing two. Yeah. What are you two? I'm going to say Black Dynamite. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone no. just told me to watch that actually. That's great. So Black Dynamite and uh Final Tap. Final Tap. I'm gonna go to Wet Hot American Summer. I'm gonna keep young Frankenstein as well. Nice. Uh, I got a newer one and an older one. Yeah. You got 1941 and you think of another I don't one. know. I was I was gonna snag young Frankenstein from you because like I just saw uh Sorry recently. Blazing yeah. Saddles is a spoof. Um I don't know. Uh, Naked Gun. Monty Python. We can have the same one. Ooh. Yeah, we never mentioned any of the Monty Python movies. Yeah, yeah, Monty Python. I I almost want to say MASH as well, but MASH is like, that's more of a... uh, It's a straightforward, like the novel. It's a satire. satire, Yeah, satire, yeah. Not not quite spoofy enough. I guess, Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess it gets a little little spoofy when they do the football bit, I think. Uh, But that's about it. What's your second one, Jeff? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with airplane. Airplane and uh. Airplane and spaceballs. Cool. Okay. Joe, did, just it. don't say Johnny Dangerous. I guess. I guess I'll just pick another one so J- Jimmy can have the movie you watch without me. Oh no 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 uh, no 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 no! You take it. I'm gonna. I'll, look. Do, I'll do Shaun of the Dead. Uh, or Hot Fuzz. I like Shaun of the Dead better. Okay. Yeah. I guess it depends on what genre you like more, because I like Hot Fuzz more, but I like those buddy action movies more. That's why I like. I do too. I just think Shaun of the Dead maybe the best zombie film. That's that's a hot take. Better than it's... Dawn. Yes, I legitimately think it's a good zombie movie. Mm. After that, I haven't. Been, I I don't think we needed to do zombies anymore. That's sacrilege. Maybe in. Maybe in October we'll do we'll do another zombie. Oh wait, no. Because I've got I've got feelings about that. I've got mm. thoughts. Mm. I'm gonna, gonna say... let you have Young Frankenstein. <laughs> okay, fine. I'll take I'll take Young Frankenstein. I know that was cringe, but where they? At least it's in the list. 1941 isn't even in the list of these parodies. I guess it's not considered a parody, but I think it is. Well, it's probably on yeah. the same lines as. Uh... I mean, oh. Spielberg's parroting himself a little, especially when he did with that Jaws bit at the very beginning, he and like, uh, he's he's spoofing like World War II melodramas, mm-hmm. which hasn't really ever been done otherwise. No, that I can think of. They probably that well that movie tanks, so it's probably probably like... sacrilege to people. I mean, doing it in what year to come out eighty? It was right after Jaws, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I'm sure all the boomers were like, "How dare you!" Yeah, Slim Pickett was like, Meh. "Actually, no, not I mean, even the boomers. He's a boomer, so be like." Actually, not gonna generation. lie. Anytime I remember like bringing up 1941 to like a, a lot of like adults at the time that I watched it, I was a teenager, and they were they were like, "Oh yeah, no, like." So I don't think mm. I don't know. I just remember critics. Maybe, like, maybe it kidding. didn't do so well because, like, they didn't realize it. Like, they, they just like they didn't expect that from Spielberg because, like, I didn't realize like it didn't feel like a Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. 
honestly. So, hmm. so that's our episode on hot shots and the spoof genre. I hope you uh, enjoyed us lamenting its loss. Hopefully someday, hopefully someday we'll see a resurgence of the the genre. I would like to see it again. Maybe we'll be the ones to bring it about. Well, if Jim calls Jeff, then we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. To make Hot Shots Park. Wow. Let's go write some stuff. <laughs> 33 and a third. Uh, next month, we're going to be covering something that was uh, counter-programming to Jurassic Park. Came out the same weekend. Uh, we had all never heard of it, but it has James Spader and Mandy Patinkin in it. And uh, I don't know that any of you know anything about this, but uh, it's basically uh, about gambling, it seems. It's like a proto-rounders or something. Yeah, so it could be interesting about poker. <clears throat> so I think you'd like this, Jeff, hopefully. Uh, it's called The Music of Chance. <laughs> it's barely out there, but that's why it got demolished by Jurassic Park. So, <clears throat> As it should have been. They clearly were just mm-hmm. like trying to fit it in right as much as they could so but we'll see maybe this is the perfect example of a hidden gem something no one's ever heard of so we can bring it to the audiences yeah bring it to the masses the people must know sing its song as usual uh rate review subscribe to all our stuff you know we're on youtube and obviously if you're watching all this other stuff like spotify and uh, just give us a review that'll help us i'm sure yeah, or comment below. Yeah. Yeah. Comment. Think about it. Yeah.